1: everyone and welcome to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about everything book and author related, my current reads, and discuss a quarter of our monthly book club pick, which this month is Just the Nicest Couple by Mary Kubica. So I hope you're all having a fantastic week. It has honestly just like flown by for me, and I can't believe I'm already recording another episode of the podcast. I was able to finish up to page 153 in Just the Nicest Couple for our discussion later on in the episode. And let me tell you, it genuinely is getting very, very difficult to not just read the whole thing. Um, But like I had mentioned last week, I know that if I do just finish the whole thing, I will spoil something, even though I truly don't mean to. Um, So it's definitely for the best that I just stick to the schedule. So like I said, I'm up to page 153 in the hardcover edition. That's where you should be if you are reading along in the book club. And if you don't have the hardcover, you should be up to to chapter 17, not page. So that's where we're at for the book club. In other book club news, it's already time to start figuring out our March book club pick, which is crazy. But I totally understand that we need to start or I need to start putting out the choices a little bit sooner. Um, I've gotten a few messages that people would like more time to be able to pick up the book so they can stay caught up with the podcast schedule. Again, completely understand that. I know a lot of you don't live very close to a bookstore want to be able to get it secondhand or from your library. And a lot of newer books have hold to the library and everything like that. So I want to allow you all um, plenty of time. I'm thinking two weeks should be enough time. But please, please let me know if you'd like more time. At this point, it's giving you a little over two weeks to get the book and start, you know, getting caught up for the podcast because they all come out on Mondays. So this past Wednesday, I put out our monthly genre poll. Um, I chose a thriller, romance, historical fiction, and contemporary slash literary fiction. As I've mentioned, whatever genre wins that poll, I'll put two books of that genre into the four monthly book club choices for you to choose from, if that makes sense. That's a tongue twister. Um, It was honestly a close race this time. I was thinking that Thriller honestly was going to win again. I... Just think that the majority of my followers and you guys really like thrillers. I'm of that mindset too. And it was really fun to discuss a thriller on the podcast. But I was really, really excited because it was a close race. um, And after 24 hours, the results were 23% thriller. So that took the third spot. 16% chose contemporary slash literary fiction. So that came in last, which kind of surprised me. Um, 25% picked historical fiction, and 35% picked romance. So that means that I chose two romances to choose from out of the four books. So as always, again, I'm recording this on a Friday, today is Friday, February 10th, And just this morning, a couple hours ago, I released the four book club choices for March. So at this point, as I'm recording, I can tell you what the choices are but I don't know what the official pick is quite yet, but you will (laughs) because you're listening to this on a Monday. So at this point, I leave my story up for 24 hours. And I'll know tomorrow morning what the book club pick is for March. And you guys will too if you're following me at Grace's Reading Nook. And if you're just listening along, definitely go check my Instagram because the pick is already out make sure you can get your hands on it. But I can definitely tell you guys um, what I picked for the four choices and why I picked those. I'm not going to give full descriptions um, as I did that already on my Instagram when you have the chance to vote on Friday. So as you're listening to this. um, You honestly know more than me as I'm recording, which is kind of scary. But (laughs) here are the choices and the vote percentages so far. The first book I chose was Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne. This is one of our romance options. And this was a very, very popular book of the month choice this month. I also put out my top nine books of my to be read this week as a grid post on my Instagram. And I genuinely got so many comments saying I should read this one. And like so many messages also saying that I should. So people seem to be really liking this or at least really interested in it. That really just had me thinking that this should definitely be an option for you guys to choose from. And I was right because the percentage of this one right now is 33%, so that has 19 votes at this point and it is in the lead. Um, So that one, I knew it was gonna be a a good good choice. I wasn't sure it was gonna win, but it's looking, it's only been up for two hours so everything could change, but right now that's the winner. The second romance pick that I chose was Lease on Love by Fallon Ballard. This is our other romance pick this month. And one I've been wanting to read for a really long time. A lot of the reviews say it's very similar to like Beach Read and The Flat Share, which are books that were at least Beach Read. I haven't read The Flat Share, but Beach Read I absolutely loved. So I've been wanting to read it personally and I do own it already. So I was excited about it. It definitely has some great reviews also from, you know, Goodreads and my friends on Booksta. So I thought it would be a really good option. And at this point it has 16%, which is nine votes so far. And that's actually in last, unfortunately. So, I mean, I was going to say go vote for it if you want it, but you can't because this is out on a Monday, but that's okay. Thriller option. I did want to include another thriller, like I said, because I'm having so much fun dissecting Local Woman Missing. So I picked um, All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham was a fantastic thriller that I read last year. I know a lot of people did. And it was also nominated for Book of the Year on Book of the Month, which I thought was really cool. So I wanted to read her new one, All the Dangerous Things. I've heard Amazing Things. It has a really good score so far on Goodreads. So that one at this point has 26%, so 15 votes. So a lot of you are also thinking thriller at this point, Um, but... Georgie All Along is still taking the cake. And lastly, I chose a historical fiction and I picked River Sing Me Home by Eleanor Shearer. I chose this in my book of the month last month. And it was also GMA's book club pick for February. It just sounds so so good. This was actually when I first posted this, it was neck and neck with Georgie All Along. Right now it has 26%. So 15 votes. So it's tied with all the dangerous things. A lot of people are saying this book is so, so incredible. And it just seems like an overall emotional, really inspiring story. Um, This is my personal pick. This is what I'm hoping will win, but I would also be... Thrilled to read any of these, and even if Georgie all along wins, very excited about it. So, I am curious what one. Um, The poll will close, like I said, after my stories have been up for 24 hours, so on Saturday morning. But, like I mentioned at this point many times, as you're listening to this, the book has already been chosen and announced on my Instagram. So, go over to Grace's Reading Nook to check that out for yourself and see what we'll be reading in March. And here's a teaser if you've made it this far, which I hope you have, and a side note, guys. I have an incredibly exciting announcement to share at the end of this episode. So please stay tuned to the very end to hear what that is. The suspense of telling you guys is killing me. So let's talk about my current reads next. So this week I finished The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden. I realized when I was editing last week that I said The Housewife by Frieda McFadden, but it is The Housemaid. I have so many mixed thoughts on this. Uh, I'm like really frustrated about it, honestly, because I really, really, really enjoyed this book. I thought it was so good. I could not put it down. I was audibly gasping and being like, oh my god, no way. This is crazy. This woman in the book, one of the characters was so evil, so mean. I was like, oh, this sucks. And I knew in my head, I was like, is that going to be the twist? I don't want to say anything. I don't want to give anything away. But there is a twist in the book that I was like, if this is the twist, if this is where I think it's going, I'm going to be really, really disappointed and sad, because it is exactly like a twist from another really, really popular thriller that I really, really loved. And unfortunately, it was that exact same twist. And I do not want to say the thriller that I read because it would give it away. If you haven't read that, read this because it's really fun. But I do think that it sucks, unfortunately, that it is so similar, um, like exact same plot point. But regardless, I did give it somewhere between three and a half and four stars because I had a real I had a blast reading it. So it kind of like left me at a crossroads. I really didn't know what to rate this book, but, That's what I rated it somewhere three and a half and four and I can give you a little bit of my Goodreads sort of review that I gave it. So I said for the first half, I was completely on the edge of my seat, which I was, I was audibly gasping at the treatment of Millie, who's the housemaid. And it was just really freaky. It was scary. It was a wild ride. And I was really thoroughly enjoying it. And then we got to part two, and it threw me for a loop. And I said I really saw it coming because it's exactly like the twist in another popular thriller that I read very early on in my bookstagram sort of journey. Um... That's why I have to knock a point or two off. Even though I enjoyed the twist, it just doesn't seem fair that it's like an exact replica. Um, regardless, I said I'm, I stand by this. I'm very excited to read more from this author. And on Goodreads, it says this is The Housemaid Number One. And the ending does kind of leave it open for a second one. So, it since it's a series, I already can't wait for the second. I'm curious to see where she goes with it and if she can make this into like a fresh new take on a thriller. So give it a try. Unless you're like me and you've read a book very similar, message me. I also have a friend on bookstagram, Books with Heath, or Books by Heath, and she posted a really great review this week. It had very similar feelings. She was saying she was really enjoying it. Then all of a sudden she realized where the twist was going and she got really disappointed. So eh, it's kind of like middle of the road for me. And I'm currently about a little over halfway through with Memphis by Tara M. Stringfellow. And I'm really, really enjoying it. I have a few points I want to make, but I'm right in the middle. It's a beautifully written book. The scenery and the imagery that she uses as she's writing about Memphis and about these women living in Memphis and their stories, I am just fully, fully enthralled um generational trauma, mother-daughter relationships. There's a lot a lot of terrible things going on though, so definitely look up trigger warnings before reading this book, but it is really beautiful. Like the writing is incredible, but it's already feeling like it's rushing a little bit for me. The book is really short. It's about 250 pages, and it's already feeling rushed. Like I want to know more about each woman and her story and her husband like these husbands and these stories that they're talking about. And I'm just, I feel like I'm not getting enough and things are moving way, way too fast. That's my biggest like flaw with it at this point. However, I'm really enjoying it and I can't put it down. And I'm definitely hoping to read more today. So yeah, I'm behind. I'm a slow reader this year for some reason. I feel like that's okay. I have a lot going on in like my personal life. There's a lot going on with my job. I mean, all fine things, but it's okay if you're having like a slower reading month. For whatever reason, as long as you're reading, like I've said, that's all that really matters. Next, I did want to follow up from last week because Reese has come out with her February book club pick for the Reese's Book Club, and that is The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson. I had never heard about this book, and I've actually never heard of this author either, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about it and share the book description with you all in case you're in a boat like me. Um, The Amazon synopsis says, 1950s Philadelphia, 15-year-old Ruby Pearsall is on track to become the first in her family to attend college, in spite of having a mother more interested in keeping a man than raising a daughter. But a taboo love affair threatens to pull her back down into the poverty and desperation that has been passed on to her like a birthright. Eleanor Quarles arrives in Washington, D.C. with ambition and secrets. When she meets handsome William Pride at Howard University, they fall madly in love but William hails from one of DC's elite wealthy black families and his parents don't just let anyone into their fold. Eleanor hopes that a baby will make her finally feel at home in William's family and grant her the life she's been searching for, but having a baby and fitting in is easier said than done. With their stories colliding in the most unexpected of ways, Ruby and Eleanor will both make decisions that shape the trajectory of their lives. Oh, that is quite the synopsis. I feel like I just read a lot there. It's clearly historical fiction, and it sounds like a very emotional, in-depth read, so I might just have to pick it up. It didn't, like, totally wow me with the synopsis, but it could be one I find at, like, Bull Moose or something that I want to pick up. As a side note, Ruby and Eleanor happen to be some of my favorite girls' names ever. My car's name is Ruby, and I love the name Eleanor for, like, a daughter's name, so that's a plus, honestly. And then one new release that I want to talk about that came out this week that I mentioned in my second episode is Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey. That came out on February 7th. Um, I'm a huge fan of It Happened One Summer and Hook, Line, and Sinker," but I've yet to read another Tessa Bailey book. And from what i've heard on bookstagram the consensus is those two books that happened one summer in hook line and sinker are amazing but some of her other books are a little too cheesy a little like too much steam not enough plot but i'm okay with a lot of steam i haven't really read a lot of books that are like strictly steamy so i wanted to read the synopsis here to see if i'd be interested or if you guys would be interested in getting it i think i'll include reading the synopsis of some of the new releases that I talked about in that second episode, as they come out throughout the year, just in case you guys want to add it to your cart on Amazon or get it from your library, anything like that. So this is the synopsis directly from Goodreads. Hallie Welch fell hard for Julian Voss at 14, after they almost kissed in the dark vineyards of his family's winery. Now the prodigal hottie has returned to their small town. When Hallie is hired to revamp the gardens on the Voss estate, she wonders if she'll finally get that smooch. (laughs) But the grumpy professor isn't the teenager she remembers, and their polar opposite personalities clash spectacularly. One wine-fueled girls' night later, Hallie can't shake the sense that she did something reckless, and then she remembers the drunken secret admirer letter she left for Julian. It goes on a little further, but I feel like we have our tropes here. We have enemies to lovers, grumpy sunshine, you get the idea. Um, Right now it has a 3.79 on Goodreads out of 1,361 ratings, and overall the reviews are pretty glowing from the people that did enjoy it. Um, I'm seeing here a lot of five stars and then like a lot of two stars for ones that didn't like it. So it might just be a, a you love it or you hate it sort of thing. And I don't know how I feel about that one, but it sounds a little cheesy, but I could be, I could be down for a little bit of steamy and cheesy. Um, it honestly seems like the perfect book for February and Valentine's day. And I really have been looking for just a fun romance, like nothing too heavy. So I may just have to pick this up, honestly. Speaking of fun Valentine's Day reads, as you're listening to this, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, so happy Valentine's Day. And I wanted to share some of my favorite Valentine's Day book recommendations before we get into our Just the Nicest Couple discussion. As a lot of you know, I was on the Hub today last week talking about some of my favorite ideas for Valentine's and anti-Valentine's Day reads, but today I wanted to share strictly some of my favorite romances to get everyone in the mood for love. If you have not read a book by Emily Henry, what are you doing? Go to your library, go to the store right now and pick one up so you can read it tomorrow. Beatread by Emily Henry is a is my favorite of her three books that I've read. I know she has more but her three most recent ones are Read, People We Meet on Vacation and Book Lovers. Beatread 1000% Takes the Cake for Me. It felt like a book I would have read in like middle school, high school that like got me into reading. I don't know about you guys, but back in, again, middle school, high school, back in my teenage years, I was addicted to reading fun romances. And it's, this is like, I don't know if this will make any sense to anyone, but the ISBN number on the back of the book, like on the barcode, the ISBN number. It started with a 006, all of these romances that I really loved. And so in my like 13 year old head, I used to call them 006 books. Like if it had a 006 in the barcode at the top, I would be buying it because I knew I was going to love it. It was like YA romance. I loved them. And so I read this one in 2021. And when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this like brings me back to my 006 books. But in the best way, because it's obviously an adult book, it's not a YA But it was so good. It was like the elevated romance that I loved. I think Emily Henry has some of like the best witty banter out there. She's funny and it seems really realistic. And her men that she writes are so good. Gus from Beach Read is just my favorite. Please go read it if you haven't already. I feel like the vast majority of you have, but I just love it so much, especially for Valentine's Day. And I've already talked about this, but I am just so excited for Happy Plays, her book coming out in April. I wish I had an arc of it, but I do not. I have not been sent one. That's okay. I am just dying to read it in April. I already talked about these, but I did want to mention them. It Happened One Summer and Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. These are definitely the steamiest books that I've personally read, they are good. They are steamy. It's that grumpy sunshine sort of romance. It's these tough lobstermen or like fishermen guys. They're living in Seattle or right around Seattle in Washington. And they are just so attractive. I loved reading about them. And they're just like tough and manly, but these girls come and they like sweep them off their feet. It's super steamy. I've gotten a few of my friends to read them and they are so much fun. So love those. If you're looking for one that really doesn't have any steam that I can remember, I'm not sure if it did, but it has an amazing story. One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid was one of my favorites last year. It was so good. So this follows the story of a woman who she was dating, I believe, or were they married? Now I'm like forgetting. Hold on. Let me look at this. And I Do you guys do that? I literally forget key plot points about books that I like really loved but that's okay. I feel like everyone does that, but I'm looking it up really fast before I give misinformation on here. Okay. They were married. So... Her name was Emma. She married her high school sweetheart and he was a travel photographer and they were married, they were doing well, and then his helicopter, he was out on a mission doing travel photography. His helicopter went down and he was never heard from again. So you see Emma in the throes of like losing her husband and trying to start dating again and she meets a new guy and they get engaged and she's really happily in love. It's been years. Then all of a sudden she gets a call and it's her husband and he has been alive the whole time just like stranded I truly never knew who I wanted Emma to end up with I was rooting for both at different points both guys it was just so beautifully done and it really put you in her shoes and I can't even imagine having to make a choice like that like you were clearly in love with this guy whose you know helicopter went down and you assumed he was dead for years so you struggled and you struggled to move on and you finally find a guy that you feel like you'd be happy moving on with and then your husband is found alive. Like, wh- how do you even handle something like that? So if you haven't read that, it's an incredible, incredible romance and highly recommend. Doesn't have a lot of steam, though, if that's okay with you. <laughs> then I have two books to talk about that are honestly very similar. And I talked about this before. Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren and Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. These books are extremely similar. They have very similar plots. And many people were upset about that. And I totally understand it sucks when books have like very similar plots. And you know, one came out long after the other. However, I much preferred Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. I don't know why. I think it was the writing style. I think it was the characters. I loved Love and Other Words. And it's a cult favorite. And I would recommend reading both because I really thoroughly enjoyed both. But I would pick Every Summer After if you're looking for like a classic like beach read. Oh my god, it was so, so, so good. I was rooting for the characters the whole time. Both follow similar plots. It's basically like um at a lake house and there's two brothers living together and then a new girl moves to town and into the lake house like right next door to theirs and they spend their time together like kind of like it's kind of coming of age falling in love like through your childhood into teenage years and then something traumatic happened and separates them it's very very similar um and i think the majority of people listening have read either of those but i do highly recommend
0: Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Oh God, I'm going to get a lot of backlash for saying this. I am not the biggest Colleen Hoover fan and I have read quite a few. So I've read Verity. I really enjoyed it. I didn't like love It Ends With Us. thought it was really cheesy. I've read Layla and I honestly really liked Layla and I read November 9th and I didn't really like it. I keep trying and trying and trying with Colleen Hoover, but there's something about the writing that I don't know, you guys don't hate me. It just seems kind of childish and kind of like fan fiction-y. I know so many people love her, but I'm just speaking my truth. I don't love her books. What I will say, I love the plot points and like the stories within the books, but I just don't really like her writing style. That's honestly all it is. But I did really like Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover That was probably my favorite of hers that I've read. And it was a real shocker and a surprise for me, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's about a woman and she gets out of jail and she actually had a baby while she was in jail and it was given to um, the father who passed away, his parents. And so when she gets out of jail, it's her goal to like make and form a relationship with her daughter that she hasn't seen like since she was born in jail. And it's wonderful. It's a romance and it's... It's so good. If you haven't read it, I do highly recommend. Really quickly, just two others, because I want to get into our discussion of Just the Nicest Couple, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, I thought was really good. It's a love or a hate, but it's really steamy. And the guy in it is definitely very similar to Adam Driver. And I wasn't a fan of Adam Driver until I've like, looks wise, I love his acting. But I didn't find him attractive until I read this book. And it literally the synopsis of him was Adam Driver. And I started picturing him in the role in the book, which I do for like, everything. And I was like, oh, wait, he's really attractive. And then I learned that she actually like started out as like a fan fiction book about Adam Driver, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong. And then of course, I've already talked about this, but Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, I loved and is so good for Valentine's Day. So these are my favorite romances that I've read, but clearly and honestly, I need more, genuinely need so many more. So if you've read a romance that is fun, lighthearted, steamy, but not too, too cheesy, the writing still needs to be, you know, good, please message me on Instagram because I genuinely need to add it to my TBR immediately, especially since so many of you picked a romance for the genre of our March book club pick. So a lot of you really love romances. So genuinely message me because I want to know what your favorite is if it's not one that I've already talked about, or even if it is, I want to know. So without further ado, let's get into week two of our book club discussion of Just the Nicest Couple by Mary Kubica. As I mentioned before, as a reminder, there will be spoilers for the rest of the episode. So if you haven't read up to page 153 in the hardcover edition of the book, or up to chapter 17 in any other version, please stop listening. Or if you don't care if you get it spoiled listen on i don't care i cannot stop you um like i mentioned before this is a little wonky because this book doesn't have chapter numbers but if you count out each individual pov you should have read or listened up to chapter 17. as always let's get into my personal notes to start and then we'll discuss some of the poll questions and messages i've been getting from all of you this week and i got way more this week so thank you all so much for participating so first and foremost I am a sucker for when the author puts the title of the book into the book. (laughs) Is anyone else like that? The same thing goes for like the title of a movie. And when that ends up in the dialogue of the movie, I just always eat it up and I love it and I always look out for it. So it happened for us on page 81 when Nina was thinking and she thought people say nice things about Christian and Lily all the time. People think they're just the nicest couple. So I found that very interesting. She didn't say she thinks they're just the nicest couple. She said people think they're just the nicest couple. That made my brain go crazy. And I know like, okay, I want to say something really fast. It's a thriller and I have to talk about things about it on the podcast. So I literally have my detective hat on the whole time I'm reading. And I'm genuinely overanalyzing things so much. Clearly, like there's going to be a twist, but it's not going to be like, crazy. I, I don't know. <laughs> and I've seen people post their full reviews of it. And there really is a good twist that people say. And I'm, I don't know if I've said it yet, but I truly am dissecting every word in this dialogue. And I, I don't know if you guys are getting annoyed with that, but that's just what I'm doing. But I did find it interesting that she said people think they're just the nicest couple, not she thinks. So does she know that they're not the nicest couple? Did she see Lily attack Jake in the woods after he tried to assault her? Did she kill Jake? Did she save Jake? And this is all actually an elaborate plan to frame Christian and Lily, even though we're hearing her thoughts. I just have so, so many questions. Okay, so we're going to start out in chapter eight, a lot happened. And like I did last week, let me know if you'd like me to do something different. But I took notes on every single chapter as I read it. So I'm just going to go through those notes and what I had to say about each chapter So like I said, a lot happened. Jake still isn't home and we got a lot of interactions with Ryan Schroeder, one of Nina and Lily's fellow teachers. Okay. Why did he have two coffees? Why did he bring one for Pam? Why was he buttering her up? And also... I'm so frustrated. Why are we not getting the student teacher's name? Someone brought that up for me to talk about last week. And it happened again with these chapters, but like even more egregiously, it was insane. Like it was always like, and then the student teacher left the room. The student teacher was still there. I was like, just say his name. Is it like Paul? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like just say Paul, my student teacher, like the first time. So it has to mean something. I can't be sure what it means, but it has to mean something. I personally, and I should have asked this as a question, my friend and I were talking about it. I have a feeling the student teacher is the one who sent Nina the flowers, but I can't be 100% sure about that. But we were talking about that. And it's like, who sent those flowers? Like, very random. Like, I love to see you smile. Is that what it said? I think I talk about that later. But something's going on with Ryan and with the student teacher. But personally, I'm almost thinking that Ryan is a red herring and is genuinely a good guy. But I could definitely also be wrong there. Um, In this chapter, Nina also reported Jake missing, which is sure to get Lily on edge. And also fellow teacher Denise's husband saw Lily at the forest preserve on Monday, which is really, really bad for Lily. Things are not looking good. Moving on to chapter nine, in my opinion, Christian is just pissing me off. He is being way too nice. In his inner thoughts and dialogue, we see him panicking like a little bit, but Personally, it wouldn't sit well with me if my husband was being so nonchalant about everything. Maybe that's just me, but I would warrant him like very much freaking out if I killed a man in the woods and we were trying to cover it up. Like I want that panic. Like I understand like he would be panicking, but Christian is just like, no, babe, like it's okay. We're going to figure this out. And that like really pisses me off. I definitely think Christian knows more than he's saying. He seems to be like obsessed with getting the keys to Jake's car so they can move it, which I understand because then it will seem as though Jake was never even at the forest preserve and that his body was maybe just like dumped there, which is definitely huge for Lily because then it puts him like never being there. And even if she was walking there, that's totally fine because the teacher's husband saw her. But does he not seem like a little too obsessed with the car keys? What does he know that we don't know? Just something I thought about. Chapter 10 is where we see Nina on a hunt to find out more information about Jake and his whereabouts. At the hospital, we learned from his colleagues that Jake left randomly in the middle of the day to run an errand. And they said it wasn't totally unusual, but I think it is. Like, that's very strange. Like, Nina thinks it's kind of odd behavior from him, and she had never heard from him that he left in the middle of the day. So it almost seemed like a secretive thing that only his coworkers knew. But if it wasn't unusual for him to leave, according to his co-workers, was he going to meet Lily at the Forest Preserve often during the middle of the day? Just something to think about. Obviously, he wouldn't tell Nina if he was going to do that. Lily obviously wouldn't tell Christian that. And he could just tell his co-workers, yep, I have a one o'clock appointment somewhere else. So just something to think about. Personally, I also thought Dr. Cadell, one of the doctors that Nina was talking to, seemed a bit too nosy and kept talking over the nurse Trisha, like she didn't want Trisha to say certain things. That was just the vibe that I got other questions to throw out there that I wrote down could Dr. Cadell be having an affair with Jake? Was the student teacher or Ryan, the one in the prologue in the woods? I don't know why I wanted to put that there, but I did. Um at the end of this chapter, Nina is still left with no answers and she saw Lily leaving her classroom, which we know she was looking for the key in there and she didn't really catch her, but she did see her leaving the classroom. Chapter 11 we find out that Lily didn't find the key in the classroom and At this point, I was genuinely getting nervous about them covering all of it up. I was really starting to feel the tension, which was really fun. And finally, we get some emotion from Christian. He's very clearly on edge here, and he has every reason to be, obviously. I do get the vibe, personally, that he's been harboring resentment towards Jake for a while and just never liked the guy. Um, We get flashbacks to when they would have dinner together at their dinner parties. And he just kind of seemed intimidated by Jake's wealth. And Jake just seemed like a shitty guy. Like the more we learn about Jake, I'm like, Jake sucks. Like Nina didn't even seem to be that in love with him, which I'll get into. But that's just a whole other side note. Chapter 12. Oh God, we find out Nina's mom is staying with her at the house. So she is in the house with Christian. This was so wild and so freaky. It is very strange. This is where I'm going to talk about it. How weird Jake is about Nina spending time with her mother. Like he's either just an asshole or something weird is going on here. I don't know why he would feel so, so, so wrong about Nina just like spending time with her mother who was sick. And I think I mentioned this in last week's episode, but it didn't really sit right with me. Like he seems obviously very controlling of her time, which is a classic trope we get in these books. But usually it's like with friends, not with family. Like he could very easily go over to Nina's mom's house with Nina for dinner. Um, So I just found that kind of strange. It was interesting, too, and good that Lily had the perfect out at breakfast by telling Nina she was pregnant. And that's why she was acting weird and had to spend so much time in the bathroom. Um, I just found it also very strange that Nina was saying she could trust Lily and Lily was like, you can trust me so bad. Trust no one. This book is crazy. Chapter 13 was such a tense chapter. I was like, what did Christian drop drop on the floor when he grabbed the key fob? Did Nina's mom see him? This is where I started to get a little fishy about Nina's mom, which I put in the polls, which I'll talk about soon. We know her vision is bad, but is that just a ploy? Like, did Jake know that Nina's mom was faking her illness and that's why he hated her? That's something to think about. Jake's a doctor and a surgeon. Does he know Nina's mom actually isn't blind? Um, so that was just a side note that I had written written down and thought about. And will Nina find out that Christian was in the house? I think she will. But at this point, I have not gotten there. Chapter 14 blew my mind because I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I never thought the mom would think it was actually Jake in the house. But of course she did, obviously for trusting the mom. I'm not fully trusting the mom personally, but with her eyesight, if it actually is bad, it very much could be clearly, like, why would you think it was Christian? She doesn't even know who Christian is. Of course, she would think it was Jake going home to get something from his office, which she did. This clearly works in Christian's favor. Unless unless Nina is actually able to get good camera footage from a neighbor, she would never know that Christian was actually in her house. And now she's like, devastated because she's like, well, not devastated. I, I guess it's good if she actually think Jake, thinks Jake was in the house, because at least he's not dead. But then she's like, well, why is he just not answering me and not going to work? Like, that's really crazy. I Again, I'm really not fully convinced that Nina's mom doesn't know more and that she's not lying about her eyesight being bad. That's just something that I'm thinking about. In chapter 15, Christian was really starting to freak me out. His internal dialogue was so strange versus what he was saying to Lily. And it felt like to me, this chapter, it really came out that he was 100% hiding something. And I started to suspect him more than Lily. Is he playing mind games with her? That was something I was thinking about. And he was so quick to think about how he would kill Nina to get her out of the picture. And I understand that like, you want to cover up this murder, but it really kind of freaked me out. Um, at the end of this chapter, they did get Jake's car, and they drove it to a budget motel, which is huge for them. They're off the hook at this point. Lily and Christian are feeling really, really good. Chapter 16 was the last chapter we read in Let me just say, guys, it was so hard to stop here. I know I said it before, but it was genuinely so, so difficult. What the hell was up with that person driving with the headlights on while Nina was on the walk? Could be Red Herring. I think we were meant to think it was Christian driving Jake's car, but it wasn't. Obviously, it was just this random woman looking for a street. But something to keep in mind, like those little side characters always come back in books like this. And you can be like, oh my god, that was so crazy. It was actually this woman in the car. So just something to think about. Um, Nina did see Christian on the camera footage provided by the neighbor, but didn't know it was him. So... Christian narrowly escapes again. We also get some background that Jake doesn't seem to like to hear no, which would make sense that he got so mad at Lily refusing him. And I also thought it was super strange that they eloped, um, Nina and Jake, in Ibiza after knowing each other for three months. That doesn't say a lot of good things for me about Jake's character. I don't like him. He seems super controlling, super weird. Something is wrong with him for sure. We're gonna get to know more, but just something I wanted to point out. And that was the end of where we had to read up to for this week. Overall, there was lots of drama, lots of tension in this part. And if I wasn't hooked already, I am definitely 100% hooked now. My main takeaway in this chunk was that we're getting introduced to a lot of side characters who could definitely be major, major key points in the plot here. We have Nina's mother. We have whoever the hell the student teacher is. We're not getting his name. We have Damien and Anna, who are now pregnant. We have Ryan Schroeder. We have the woman driving with no headlights. I think all of these people are people to watch and to keep in our minds. But especially for me, I'm looking at the student teacher and Ryan. Also, Lily was my main suspect before reading this chunk. But now, honestly, I'm more weary of Christian. He seems like a manipulator. And like my friend on Instagram said last week, never trust the husband. And at that point, she said she was about halfway through the book. And now I totally understand why she was saying that because I'm just not trusting Christian or Jake at this point. I also don't know if we can fully trust Nina. Like, did she kill him in the woods and is going to blame Lily fully? I know we're getting her thoughts, but is that like a possibility of something that could happen? And Christian and Lily are thinking they're pretty solid at this point. Obviously, the car is moved, putting Jake far away from the crime scene. But obviously, that is going to change. Also, side note, I know I said this before, but what the hell am I going to do when when, and if we choose a book for the book club that isn't a thriller? I don't know what we're going to do. It has been so fun to overanalyze this book and try to come up with theories. And I guess I can do that with other genres, but thrillers and mystery and horror is just so fun for podcasting. And it's just really fun. I'm learning. Now I want to get into your thoughts that you've sent me throughout the week. Remember, if you aren't already to be following me on Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook, where I have poll questions throughout the week leading up to me recording the podcast, which is typically on a Friday, and you are more than encouraged to send me random messages as you read, please do. I want all the theories and thoughts so I can share them with everyone on the podcast. The first thing I want to say, I got a message from someone immediately, pretty much on Monday, I think after the podcast went out, that let me know that in the audiobook version of Just the Nicest Couple, the prologue is narrated by a male. I don't know why I'm so hung up on the prologue, but I feel like it's the key to a lot of the mystery here. So this was huge information. This could be the student teacher, it could be Ryan Schroeder, it could be Christian, it could be Jake. I just thought that was really interesting because obviously they're going to go back and forth with the points of view. Clearly there's going to be a male reading Christians and a woman reading Nina's. But I just found it interesting the prologue like remains anonymous who it's actually written by. But the fact that it's narrated by a male is huge, huge, huge information. Wednesday was my big day for polls this week. And I put out a bunch and got so many great responses. So thank you so much to everyone who participated. It was so much fun to see your responses. The first question I asked was, who are you trusting the least out of these side characters? Ryan Schroeder, Dr. Cadell, Nina's mom, and the student teacher. 77% of you said Ryan Schroeder, which I completely understand. That's who I'm looking at too. Something fishy is 1000% going on with him. He's not in it enough to be like a main character, but he's being mentioned enough that if something was up with him and you're not like a huge thriller person, when you found out that twist, you'd be like, Ryan, like he seemed so nice. He's too nice and too helpful. 3% of you said Dr. Cadell, which I get. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I had to include her. Nothing too crazy is going on in my eyes with her though, but she is a side character. 13% of you said Nina's mom and 7% of you said the student teacher. Honestly, guys, the least amount of you said student teacher. I really feel like we have to keep our eye on him though, because something fishy is definitely going on. Next, I asked you, who are you trusting the least out of our main characters? Nina got 14%, Jake got 14%, Lily got 46%, and Jake got 25%. So our nicest couple is definitely getting the majority of the heat here with about 70% of the votes. Most of you are still not trusting Lily, and don't get me wrong, I am not either. Next, I asked you, who you all think the perspective of the prologue is from? Christian got 17%, Jake got 38%, Nina got 12%, and Lily got 33%. So Jake and Lily are the two main picks. Many of my friends are reading along with me. So we've been talking about this a lot. And we're getting more and more convinced, honestly, that it was from Jake's perspective, which would be crazy. Like, it's from his perspective before Lily murdered him, and we think he got away, potentially. And we can't forget, again, like I just mentioned, that the audiobook narration, the prologue is narrated by a male. I think that's a really good key piece of information. So thank you so much for mentioning that. Next, I have sort of a silly question, but one I can't get out of my mind if you haven't, if you can't figure that out. And I guess by the results, I'm not fully alone. Um, I asked, do you think Nina's mom actually has trouble with her eyesight? 52% of you said yes, and 48% of you said no. No. I like the sleuths on my side here. Something seems fishy with how much Jake hated Nina's mom. Were they on this together somehow? Did he know that she was faking her, you know, injuries? Anything like that? I am just very curious." Then I asked you all to submit some thoughts and questions, and I did get quite a few. Someone said they audibly gasped when they found out that Christian wasn't alone in the house, and same. Like I said, that chapter was so tense. I was genuinely on the edge of my seat when someone flushed the toilet. I was like, oh my God, is it Jake? Is Jake home? And having it be Nina's mom was just super freaky, honestly. Someone else said that she thinks the prologue is Christian's perspective because his part of the story is always more descriptive. And I feel like the prologue is written how he talks slash things and his part of the story, just to guess, but I love this book club idea. Thank you so much. First of all, I'm so glad you're enjoying, but yes, I absolutely love this comment. In my first discussion episode, I talked about how once we got to Nina's perspective, the writing seemed incredibly choppy and short and just the writing seemed very, very different. And Christian's perspective is always way more fluid and descriptive. And this is such a great pickup that the prologue is also written that way. I didn't pick up on that, but this is huge and it's very true. I love the idea that Christian followed Lily to the woods, saw her and Jake kiss, and maybe didn't know the full story of what happened, saw Lily hit him, A few times and run away then he had to finish the job by killing him and then running away himself and i think that is definitely plausible because we're not getting enough of christian's like inner confusion just more about him needing to cover this up so that's just something to think about lastly we had a comment that she thinks christian saw jake attack lillian killed him which is something we just talked about totally agree i can see that or Nina saw it and killed him, which I think could also be very plausible. Could totally be the case there. I also like the Nina idea that she killed for her friend. And I know it's kind of weird because we're getting Nina's thoughts, but I still feel like that could be a possibility. And lastly, if you've made it this far, congratulations, because you've made it to the exciting announcement, you guys. So if you have made it this far, screenshot your screen and share your excitement for what I'm about to tell you on Instagram and tag me, because guys, I am genuinely freaking out. So recently I shared that I was reading Just the Nicest Couple for our book club on The Hub today in Boston, which thank you guys all so much for your kind comments. So many of you came to my Instagram to congratulate me on that, which is so, so sweet. Mary Kubica re-shared my post about, you know, sharing that I'm reading Just the Nicest Couple for the book club and commented that she was so happy we were reading it. And she started following me and I followed her back, obviously, well, I went out on a limb and I messaged her and asked if she would like to come on the podcast for our final episode of the book. And she said, yes, guys, I am genuinely freaking out. I like don't even know what to say. I've been a Mary Cubica fan for so long. And this is just such exciting news. I could literally scream, but I won't for headphone users. Um, So we have a date and time set to record. And our final episode will be on February 27th for Just the Nicest Couple. And during that, you'll be hearing a short interview with Mary Kubica right here on the One Woman Book Club. Truly never in my wildest dreams would I think I could get Mary Kubica of all authors to come on for our first book club discussion. And I am just so thankful to this community for making my dreams come true every single day. So thank you. So next week and the following week, I'll be putting up prompts on my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook for all of you to put in your questions you have for Mary about her writing, how she wrote this book and her other books. And of course, and most importantly, questions about Just the Nicest Couple. And I'll be featuring as many as I can in our conversation. Additionally, on that final episode, I'm going to have my friend Noelle on to talk about what we thought about the book. And we can kind of like banter a little bit about that. And I'll briefly, very briefly be having that first conversation about my current reads and author news. But it's mostly going to be deep diving with Noelle and of course with Mary Kubica, it's a dream. Screenshot this podcast if you're listening right now, share it on your Instagram and tag me at Grace's Reading Nook and let me know how excited you are to hear directly from Mary Kubica about this book because I am freaking out. And that is all I have for today. Thank you all so, so much for listening. And as always, be sure to follow me at Grace's Reading Nook so you can stay up to date on all the book club news and be involved in our polls and questions that I have going about our book club pick throughout the week. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again in our next episode. Bye.